0: Hey, this is Dennis Giannurtis, the host of the podcast Leadership is Changing. This is a special episode. It's the 300th episode, and I have two special friends who have joined me for the special episode. Listeners, sit back, enjoy as we celebrate the 300th episode. is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. Perhaps the Pepsi show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Hey, listeners, welcome to episode 300. It is awesome to have you with us once again, and it's been a real pleasure in actually presenting and bringing you these episodes over the last two years when we launched in June 2020, so it's been a, a real pleasure, but it's also been an interesting journey where we've gone through the leadership is changing side of things because we have seen a lot of change around leadership, but change full stop. And uh, as I've always say, there's so many things we can control and change, and like Mike says as well, that one thing in life that is always constant is change. And I have two wonderful guests with me because I've actually interviewed a lot of people on this podcast, but two very special people to myself and Mary. Their names are Mike Hancock and Lundy Jack. And uh, Mike is the the chairman of the Circle of Excellence Group. And Lundy is the CEO of the Circle of Excellence Group. And I'm going to say to them both a very big welcome to you both.
1: Hey, Dennis. It's wonderful to be with you on your 300th podcast, Dennis.
0: Yeah, and I just want to acknowledge you, Dennis, in
2: front of your audience for all of the work that you've put in on these 300 episodes, the wonderful guests you've had and the difference that you're making as well to the planet by just giving people really high quality material that they can absorb. So congratulations to you. And it's no mean effort.
0: Thank you, Mike. Thank you. And thank you, Lundy. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a, a real challenge at times, but you know what, You just there's one thing that's been in my mind the whole time, and it's this word consistency. And it's for the listeners, making sure that we are being consistent in whatever we do in life. And if we are consistent, that's good. And that's why I've had to stay consistent in the last two years, because I actually made an agreement with myself that I would do this for two years, three episodes a week, two interviews, one freestyle, and we needed to keep going. And that's what's happened. So it's pretty cool. Now, Michael Lundy, whereabouts are you in the world today?
1: We're in Johannesburg, Dennis, so uh, we're actually busy doing a mastermind here for uh, leaders where we basically uh, ask them what's the problems and the issues that they are experiencing at the moment, and then we take a whiteboard and highlighters and we sort those problems out for them.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent. I've been to some of these masterminds, and if you are listening to this and you're in the South Africa area, you should go to these masterminds. They are wonderful, and you'll actually get a lot of value from them, so it's, it's brilliant. Okay, so today's episode, listeners, is about celebrating the 300th episode, but it's also about talking about leadership is changing, and as I said before, there's been a lot of change over the last two years, and I'm going to ask the first question to Mike and Lundy, and it's going to be, what have you two been up to in the last two years?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, Dennis, because me and Mike love to travel. We love to travel for business, uh, we love to travel for personal experience, and uh, before COVID and all these things happened, we used to travel about 4.5 times around the globe. That's that's what our app said, yep. actually. So uh, that that's a lifestyle we were used to. And with the lockdowns and the restrictions and everything, we, we found ourselves home a lot. So I'll probably describe our past two years with the word grounding. We've went from all that travel to actually really being home um, and <laughs> I laugh and say, you know, we went from 4.5 times around the world to actually standing in front of a washing machine and trying to figure out how the thing works. But we've really used this time to our advantage to actually make more of a transition from the personal development industry to more of the educational industry so that we can bring some of our business intelligence to the masses. We use the time to get certifications and accreditations, something we find a lot with a lot of leaders at the moment seeking for more credibility so um, that people can trust them um with what they're doing. And uh, in the past six months I can report with our community around the world, it seems as if events really are opening up again. Um corporate budgets are opening up again. So we find ourselves playing more and more in that space.
0: Yeah, that's good. And, and it's interesting how, you know, our lives have changed and you've been traveling so much and now grounded and and then now starting to come back as well, which is good. And uh yeah, a lot of people it's good to see some people are not sitting down on the couch all day just watching Netflix. They actually are doing something with their lives. They're wanting to have that credibility, grow that credibility, upskill themselves, and go off and be better leaders or go off and become more effective leaders, uh, which is wonderful to see. Mike, how about you? Well, I think I, I just literally follow Lundy
2: around the kitchen getting reacquainted with it. So that's uh, <laughs> that's been it. But quite honestly, Dennis, I think a lot's changing in the in. 2022 and probably in countries like New Zealand and Australia that really don't get going until after sort of 1st of February, I think now that we're sped up and we've got through March and Easter and things like that, I think, you know, we're really seeing corporate budgets free up. I mean, our diary is full of meetings with CEOs. And yesterday I was doing a Zoom meeting with uh, one of the leading banks in uh, Tanzania and it's all leadership stuff because leaders are stuck, stuck, stuck at the moment. And uh, the, the word on the street that we're getting from directly from CEOs is they have no idea what to do. They actually don't know what to do.
0: When you say they're stuck and they don't know what to do, don't know what to do in relation to what? What are they stuck about?
2: Well, it's interesting. That's a great question, Dennis. And I'll, I'll answer it this way because recently I was looking at a report that came out globally from uh April this year and uh, I've got a statistic here I'm just going to actually read it to you cuz I I knew you'd ask some tough questions so I thought I'd look this up how's this for a statistic globally 45,000 companies surveyed right 45% of leaders prefer now to work from home but they are 33% more effective in their work when they're in the office how does the CEO deal with that?
0: Yeah, and that's huge, isn't it? That's a, it's not a small percentage. That's a big percentage. That's a
2: global stat.
0: Yeah, and then so how do they bring them back into the office is one thing um, because, you know, a lot of people for two years, it's been a long time working from home, and, and it's, uh, there's that, um, well, the way I want to say it's just the convenience of being able to work from home. I think some of them are working probably longer hours, but is it more effective? And that stat you've just said, 33% more effective in the office is interesting. I wonder why it is that they're more effective in the office. Is it face to face stuff? What do you think, UT?
2: Well, it's interesting when you break down the survey, and it really is very country specific, but the trends are pretty much the same with a couple of anomalies. You know, people are looking in the office, they want to have meetings in the office. They don't want to do Zoom meetings, right? That's that's it. They want to have face to face meetings and they want to collaborate. And they don't feel that they can collaborate from home. But here's another interesting statistic out of the same report. I don't have to look this one up. It's in my brain. The number one value of leaders as at two months ago, or one, and not even two months ago, a month ago, is privacy. 61% of leaders surveyed put privacy as their number one value and they're not finding it in their office. So that's an interesting thing too. So what it means is that we've got this flux, if you like, of various issues from how do I bring my team together and get them working on the same path again to how do I maintain my privacy, which is one of my highest values, to how do I actually you know, get everybody working and heading in the same direction and get my target because I've got to make up for lost ground of the last two years. Mm.
0: And you mentioned all the amount of money that offices and companies have spent over the last year, few years around open office space. And now the people are saying, you know, 61% are saying we don't have privacy. We need that privacy to be able to have those kind of conversations and get on with what we want to get on with. You know, Dennis, some people
2: listening to this are going to go, oh, Mike's so old school, which is cool. But, you know, when I was in corporate and a corporate general manager, I hated open office. And I fought it tooth and nail in our company and I lost. So I moved out of the building and got my own office. So it wasn't open office. And I can honestly say that I think that our productivity went down in the last couple of years that I, that I worked there from open office. Now, I think there's some jobs that obviously, you know, you, you don't want to put the filing clerk in, in open office because it's not practical. But I think once you get a certain level of seniority where your conversations need to be private and you need more thinking time, I think open office is, it's a distraction, you know, and, I got to the point where I took chairs out of my office so people couldn't sit down when they came in because it just created distraction. You know, people would walk in, sit down in the chair and go, hey, boss, let me talk to you about, but then they'd walk in and go, uh, 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 and they'd be looking for somewhere to sit and I'd just go, can I help you? And then they'd ask a question and leave it like it cut back my, my downtime of people just chilling in the office quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. Get rid of the, get rid of the chairs. They can't sit down. But also, you know what it's like that. Oh, you got a minute, and it's not a minute. It's going to be a lot longer than a minute. And never a yeah, minute. yeah, never it is. Never, never it is. Yeah. Okay, that's all good, Lundy. What about yourself? What are you? What are you seeing out there as well? Because I'm sure that you're not following Mike around everywhere around these, some of these stats, are you?
1: I do most of the time, actually, Dennis. <laughs> um, it's an interesting conversation, you know. I think you know, more than ever, and um, I'm speaking for myself and I'm also speaking for many, many of the client conversations that we have around the world, is I think um, intent is is more important now than ever before. And, you know, we've had this buzzwords around b- b- work-life balance and all that, but the definition of work-life balance is really changing because you have the intent when you walk into the office to work. And when you walk into your house, you intend to have a, a personal experience whether that's cooking or whether that is having friends over whatever. So previously work life balance meant making sure that you give enough time for work and enough time for life. But now that's become quite a physical thing. We're now talking about actual locations and I mean me and Mike has definitely noticed Uh, Without travel, we would sit working in a hotel foyer or we would sit working in a boardroom or we would sit working at those type of places. And that made intent very easy for us because you sit down, You open your laptop or your mobile phone and you have a goal and you finish that goal. You get up and you move on. The office spaces did give us that. But now, in the past two years, we've noticed working from home the incredible frustration around it because your intent gets completely muffled. The one moment you're working on the goal, the next moment – Uh, You know, your doggy wants a biscuit, the next moment. uh, There is the washing machine that finished, the next (laughs) moment. You're going for a a, a cafe. So the whole thing is getting slightly distorted. So for us personally, and I don't want to speak for Mike here, but the theme has really been, and I find myself not only having this as a theme for us, but the conversations we're having with leaders is self-discipline. Self-discipline has become more prominent and one of the more super skills than ever before. I have so much respect for what you said in the beginning, Dennis. You made a pact with yourself on consistency. You're going to consistently deliver to your clients. Now that is self-discipline and that's where – Me personally, where I see leaders really changing, checking in with themselves and having the self disciplined conversation. When I'm at work, am I working? When I'm at home, am I spending time with family? And if I have to work from home, am I still actually working? And do I know where to put the boundaries down for family?
2: And for us, Dennis, I mean, it got to the point because we're so used to working on the road, as Landy said, that Landy said to me at probably start of 2021, we need to go buy an office. So, as you know, we literally had to go and buy an office so that uh, we could get up and go somewhere to work every day rather than just be home. And we're not lazy people, but we felt that after two years of of being located at home, it was becoming distracting. So, we had to go somewhere. So, we figured, why not buy an office? It's only two kilometers from our house, but you know, it's somewhere to go. And it's also somewhere, as importantly, for our staff to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've actually seen that a lot of leaders, or a lot of individuals, full stop, have actually struggled by working from home in the sense they didn't have that transition of that car drive or the boat or the, the cycling to work, whatever it was, they didn't have it. And they went from the bedroom to the bedroom because that's where the laptop was or the lounge and the kitchen and they struggled. And, but what do you think, both of you? I mean, what, what do you think in the way of how leaders are coping now? that the pandemic, I'm going to call it coming to an end or not as severe as it was before, how are people coping with that? You know, how, Mike, you talked about that, that stat of bringing people back into the office, right? How are they coping at the moment? Well, it's a great question,
2: Dennis, and I think, you know, you said it before, but change is the only constant in the universe. So I would say the answer to your question is don't use this as a cop-out. So, you know it's easy to have this as a cop out, you know, I've got uh, I've just been flicking through my diary looking at what's coming up before this and and uh, you know we're doing uh, some work with a company in South Africa at the moment who's 90,000 staff, they're in the top 1% in the world in culture. They've got the award. They're they're in the top 1%, they're a great company, everybody knows who they are. We met with their CEO a few weeks back and the work that we're doing with them is based around three words. And how's this for a major corporate? Could you imagine this five years ago or 10 years ago? But I'm telling you, this is why they're leading. Connection, collaboration, and consciousness. That's what they want their leadership to understand in the next six months. Connection, collaboration, and consciousness. So when I come back to your question, I think for a lot of people who aren't taking leadership seriously enough, they'll look at this with a problem mind. And Landy has a saying of which wolf do you feed, the white wolf or the dark wolf? Maybe you'd like to explain that one a little bit.
1: I will. You know what, Dennis, it's it's a fa- fascinating question because there's so much conversation and debate going on around the role of wellness back in, in especially the corporate workspaces. And, you know, uh, a lot of people who specialises in mental health and all those things says, you know, finally, corporates will actually allocate the budgets for people's mental health. And, and COVID, of course, I mean, I never want to take away the incredible you know craziness of what happened here i think generations after us will look back at this and and probably speak about the mismanagement of this and the leadership that that just left people in awe and in, in the poor decisions that's been made and that obviously don't go for everyone What I've noticed, again, and I'm really talking about working with our clients and having these conversations with them around the world, that's the pool from which I'm drawing my intelligence that I'm sharing with you is that, you know, I've noticed if a person before COVID had mental health issues and issues with coping and resilience, that worsened. And I've noticed people who couldn't deal with typical life disasters like divorce or the death of a loved one or whatever, the same issues still exist, so it's just enhanced in some people. So some people were already um, on on uh, you know on the edge before this, and now they more on the edge. Other people will was already on a process of transformation. Now they're even more on the process of transformation. So I I feel things are enhanced in either a positive or negative way. And that's what Mike is referring to with the wolves. You know, we have that choice. We have that choice. I'm constantly reminding myself of that, is when you get up in the morning and you want to feel a certain way or you want to achieve something, are you going to put energy and effort and activity and using your word consistency into that white wolf and make the positive grow and the impact grow? Um, Or are you going to feed that, black wolf. Now, if you've decided to feed the black wolf, you'll find any excuse in the world. COVID, your divorce, a person who said something to you, because you've made that choice, you're going to feed that black wolf. So um, in that sense, we are finding there's leaders, and, and I'm generalizing now, I know, but there's Leaders that's feeding that white wolf, let me tell you, it's positive, it's inspiring. I want to hang out with those people for sure. But boy, oh boy, there's people who's really feeding that black wolf and they'll probably feed that black wolf until the day they die. Yeah, amazing.
0: So do I need to go and change my black t-shirt to a white t-shirt? I don't know.
1: No, you've, you've got a white microphone. Oh, a, you have a white background, no, that's all good. which is bigger than your black <laughs> And wizard. a white
2: microphone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's already good. That's really good. Yes, uh, the pandemic has emphasised and actually pushed things a lot quicker for people. And um, what you both are saying is so true in the sense that it's actually emphasised that whereby it's made it a lot bigger for some people. We've actually seen people who have actually haven't stepped up as leaders and they've had the title of a manager or a certain title and they haven't been there. And then we've seen others who are, uh, Who doesn't have, who doesn't have the title and they've stepped up beautifully and they've done some really great things and they are really our future leaders going forward. And that's going to be exciting to see where they go with their things, uh, themselves as leaders, but also their organizations. There was one other thing I think, and I would love to hear what you both, one of you or both of you to hear, let's hear about it is the word trust. And those organizations that we found that had really good trust within the organization were able to adapt very quickly and those that didn't weren't able to. Now, we're two years down the track. What about that trust thing then? I mean, it's, it's not as if it's now fixed with a pill and ta-da, we've got trust. I wonder what it's going to be like for people to come back into the office when there was trust there or no trust at all.
2: Oh, it's a great question. I think there's, there's so many ways you can answer that question. But anybody who doesn't have a trust strategy for their business today is way behind the eight ball and is not going to be successful. So trust is the biggest condition on the planet that needs to be solved in all sorts of ways and in business particularly. So you could look at it as the trust of an employee of the employer once they're back at work. You could look at it at that way. You could look at it as the trust of a customer in dealing with the company. And You know, I said to Lundy, we've just come to to Johannesburg yesterday. We just flew in. And as we're about to fly out, I realized that the rental car website that I've used for four years hasn't sent me a booking number or a confirmation, but the money's gone out of my account. Then they don't answer their their chat on their thing. It took me immense amounts of stress. And I knew I had a booking. And I said to Lundy, I thought I even wrote the booking number in my diary, but I didn't. So then I had to, like, literally go through hoops and bounds to find this. And I said to Landy, I think I'm going to change companies because that's the third time I've booked on them and haven't received a confirmation email. So I've lost trust. And, you know, in this day and age, people are, are looking almost for the problems, you know, what's this company going to do, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you're in New Zealand. I think a lot of your listeners are in New Zealand. How's your trust with KiwiSaver at the moment? I looked at my at, at my sort of balance the other day and went, these guys need to get their act together. So it's simple things and I come out of financial planning. I ran I ran a financial company. So I understand investments, but still my trust level isn't going. Oh, should I shift this? Maybe should I take my money and put it in property? What should I do? Even I'm asking those questions. So I think if you don't have a trust strategy, then the best thing you can do in your boardroom today is build a trust strategy.
0: Yep. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah.
1: It's fascinating, Dennis, when we consult with corporates, just quickly going to chip in here. When we consult with corporates, we always try and get them to see that traditionally we are building silos in business. We have a HR department. We have an IT department. We have a sales department. We have all those things. And, Even in a corporate setup or in a corporate environment, the issue is to get the different departments to trust each other and to love each other and to communicate with each other so that information can flow. So when I hear the word trust, I think of Greek intelligence, right? I mean, this is the intelligence that's been coming from the Greek for years and years, for for eons, centuries. What is Greek intelligence? It's we're all a family, so, unless we start operating in business like we're all a family, which means we laugh together, we cry together, we get down to freaking business, and we just make it work, we're just going to continue working in silos, and there's going to be trust issues.
0: Yep. And what did we do when we went into lockdown? Oh, let's continue that silo, and we'll call it bubbles. Stay in your bubble. And yeah. we just continued it going right through. But you're right. I mean, it's uh, we need to work right across all functions, all silos within the organization, to help the organisation move forward for sure. Hey, if there was one insight that you've had for yourself personally over the last two years, what would it be, Mike? What would it be, Lundy? What would be one of your biggest insights? Okay. Mm. Biggest insight for me over the last
2: two years is how easy people believe the media. And I really think that that's destructive, now, Dennis, you're a media figure these days, so I have to be kind to you, right? But <laughs> uh, but quite seriously, I think what people have learned, and I've talked to so many people that are top leaders about this, is you have to trust what's in your heart. You have to trust your own intuition. You have to trust your own internal compass. You know, it's. Uh, I walked into a, a, a hotel the other day and CNN was playing. I didn't even look at it. Because I just thought, whatever I'm looking at here is just not going to be true. So, you know, that's my level of trust now with, with the media. So my biggest thing that I've learned here is, Mike Hancock, you need to trust and back yourself 100%, not what any government, media, or something like that is telling you is going on in the world, because you actually know what's going on in your world, and that's more important.
0: Yep. Yeah, good. I like it. I really like it. And Lundy, how about you?
1: Yep. You know, Dennis, I've always said to our clients specifically, and and I've I've been shot at for that sometimes. But now I, I just I'm just more strong and passionate on it. Is that I've always said to people, you know, um, I love to prepare people for war, and then people would say to me, but. Why are you so, you know, why would you use such a negative word? And why would you want to prepare people for war? Why don't you just, you know, get people to be more positive? and And all that things, all that's part of it. But you look at the past two years and you literally see people falling over. I mean, you see people in the front line and something small happened to them now. And there's just no resilience. There's no resistance. There's no life skills and exposure that's taken place to the point where, You know, I can't say that you become bulletproof because I don't think anyone is bulletproof. It would be incredibly naive to think anyone will be bulletproof, but to not really fall over every single time the wind blows. Now, this is something I've already seen before COVID is... Very, very resilient people. They've been learning from a very young stage in their life how to be resilient. And these are usually people that's gone through tough times. In other words, they've been exposed. They've had experiences. And because of that, they had the opportunity to build these skills. Those people are really doing well under these circumstances, even though it's tough. And then you now see the rise of the, let's call it, complete exposed, complete, vulnerable, every small thing that happens um, makes them blow over. So I still feel, and my insight has been emphasized, is that we need to prepare leaders for war. And I'm not necessarily talking about the war in Ukraine or the war when a pandemic strikes. I'm talking about the war that's raging within ourselves. I'm talking about the war that's raging inside your mind. I'm talking about resilience skills here. And I think now with leadership that's changing, it's more, more relevant and critical than ever that people look in the mirror and work on themselves and make themselves stronger.
0: Yeah, Brilliant. Brilliant stuff from both of you. I think that's so, so cool. For me, my insight was that, you know, there are things that are in our control and there's things that are out of our control. And COVID was one of those things. It was out of our control, right? But, you know, my attitude is what I could control and where I was going next and focusing on that. And I think that there was a whole lot of noise out there, whether you call it media, whatever, there's noise and there's always going to be noise. But I've got to stay true to myself and stay focused on where I'm going. And that's what my big insight was, was to keep doing that. And hence why I revamped, I took my program I did years ago, revamped it again, and launched something called Leading Through Change again. So it's about leading through that change. Because one thing is to go through change yourself, totally different to actually lead the change as well. So, Michael.
1: Absolutely. And I want to add on to that, Dennis, and I want to bring something in that my grandmother, bless her heart, she's now, what, 90 92. I just have to bring some of her wisdom in here because I think so much of the wisdom from our elders is becoming relevant now. And, and we realize it now because they sat through wars and stuff. And you know, when I spoke to my grandmother, she was like, look, this is not this big in relation to what we've been through. And, you know, one of the things she said to me, and don't get me wrong, people who know me personally you know I'm a very, very positive person. I always look at the bright side of things, but I'm also a realistic person. And what my grandmother said to me one day, she said to me, Milandi. As you get older, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. So more things happen to you. So where did we create the illusion in our mind that all the people we love is going to stay alive, we're always going to be healthy, we're going to live forever, bad things is not going to happen. Whereas for me to go and build yourself into more of a resilient being, you are prepared. You're prepared for the good, but you're also prepared for the bad.
0: There you go listeners, episode 300, prepare For the future, prepare yourselves, get ready for whatever's going to be thrown at you to make sure that you are there preparing for war, preparing for what it is, whatever's going on in your mind, but whatever's going on in life as well. So, leadership is changing. It's always going to change. There's always going to be change happening, but it's what you do with it that counts. Hey, listeners, trust you enjoyed that special episode. A massive thank you to Michael Lundy for joining me on the 300th episode. Listeners, I want to thank you as well for being with me on this journey and listening to the different episodes on the podcast. And also, thank you for your comments, your thoughts that you send through to me and your feedback. I love it. So it's been really enjoyable to see the comments coming through, whether it's on a social media private message or you're ringing me or you're sending me an email. It's an absolute pleasure to see those comments coming through. And for some of you who have put the reviews and the ratings, thank you for doing that as well it really, really helps. To my guests, for those of you who I've interviewed over the 300th episodes, it's been a real pleasure meeting you and being with you and interviewing you around the topic of leadership is changing. And you have inspired, but also shared beautiful insights and wisdom with the listeners. And uh, I thank you so much for being with me on this journey. Then there's another group of people I need to thank as well, who've been part of the journey with me to make it actually happen to the production team Thank you so much, team, for everything you've done and making this a quality show. And people can tell it's a quality show from what you've done around the production to the design team, team that do the podcast cover or the covers for every episode that we put on social media, the audiograms that you create are wonderful. And so thank you very much, team, for your support there as well. To those who have mentored me over the last couple of years in relation to the podcast, thank you to you. And thank you for your ongoing support. That leaves one person for me to thank, and that's Mary. I love you so much, Mary. Thank you for your support and being with me on this journey. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to have you with me as we go along the lines of this podcast and to bring a lot more episodes in the future for the listeners. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now.